Let's Go Green, sponsored by Airgrid, managing and operating Ireland's electricity grid for a cleaner energy future. Check out airgrid.ie for more. Hello, and you are very welcome to this week's episode of Let's Go Green, the first of 2024. Happy New Year. I hope you are safe and well as you tune in and that you had a a nice and relaxing couple of weeks. We have a, a lovely show lined up for you on this week's episode, but I thought we might ease ourselves into the new year. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, marketing is surrounding us, telling us that because we're at a certain point in the calendar, we have to have a new year, new you. And while I think most of us in recent years have cottoned on to the unrealistic nature of all of that, it is hard to start things fresh and break old habits. And when it comes to environmental issues, a lot of us have struggled with establishing new habits and indeed changing our own behaviours, whether that's using public transport more, maybe walking to the shops instead of driving or or even making sure that we have a keep cup on us at all times instead of having a disposable coffee cup or a cup of tea when we go to a local cafe. So to talk to us about the, the psychology behind our behaviour and, and why this is a challenge for us, uh, we're joined by Dr. Owen Gallivan. And you might remember Owen joined us um, a couple of months ago now to, to talk to us about Irish Doctors for the Environment and, and his work with that. Owen, you are a very welcome back to Let's Go Green. Thank you very much, Ashley. Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year to you too. So Owen, like, let's be honest, making a new routine or making a new habit like it is hard um I remember when I was a teenager discussing this with my GP a well-known man in the Midlands by Dr Kidney uh is his name and he told me as a kid and it stuck in my head that it takes eight weeks to form a new habit but that you can fall out of a habit within two weeks now that was a long time ago and maybe the science has changed since but when it comes to doing things in a more environmentally friendly way, it does challenge us, doesn't it, to create new habits and new routines? It sure does. And I suppose one of the most important things I think is really uh, useful to acknowledge when anytime we're thinking about changing our own behavior, we need to think about ourselves in context first, uh, because the context has a massive bearing on how all of us live our lives. Uh, whether it's the food choices we make, the travel options we make, how we heat our homes, where we go on holiday, what we wear, um, the clothes we buy, all of these things are influenced by a very significant degree by the context within which uh, they occur. So, and it's important when we're thinking about individual behavior change that we don't kind of burden the individual with all of the responsibility in a sense for making changes, because we know that context bears heavily on individual uh, change and individual choices. So for example, we have to acknowledge things like the broader macro context of the fossil fuel industry and how powerful it is in shaping our societies uh, and how deep that's been woven into everything we do um, for so long. Uh, So part of the reason it's very difficult to make a choice about active travel, for example, is that we've become extremely car dependent as a country and all our infrastructure is leaning in that Direction. So as soon as you say to at least some people in society, um, 
you know, let's think about using public transport or cycling to work. Um, there, there are some people who put their hands up immediately and say, uh, we don't have a bus here, thanks very yeah. much. Or the roads are so dangerous, there's absolutely no way in hell I'd let my kids out and them on a bike. And those are absolutely reasonable responses for many, many people. Uh, there was a, a recent Climate Conversations um, uh, poll run by Ipsos through the, the government uh, Department of Environment and Communications. And one of the major things that came back from that was people saying there are barriers here. We would like to do more, but there are barriers. The flip side of that is when you do create schemes and opportunities for people to do the right thing and you know, making it easier to do the right thing, like the SAI, SAI grants for home insulation, for example, or um, solar panels. Um, when you do that, when you put the schemes in place, people do move towards it. Uh, so it's really important to acknowledge context and how powerful that is a shaper, lest we start talking about individual behavior changes if it's not there. As if Fair enough. And everyone so, has the equal opportunity to get on the bike and go to work, which they just don't. Don't. Yeah. And like, you know, it it always amuses me at a certain point in the year, you'll see council workers up and down the country, doesn't matter what county you're in, but they'll be out painting new cycle uh, paths and painting new lines. And, and you're kind of going, this is a, this is an element of there was EU funding here to, to that we have to use up because this cycle path is in a very on a very dangerous stretch of road. And, you know, nobody with any sense is going to actually use it. So we have to acknowledge that our roads infrastructure is not active travel friendly for the most part, especially here in, in the Midlands. And uh, there is a lack of, um, and it's it's improving. We do have the local link bus services, but it is even in Tullamore to get from one end of the town to the other. Do you know, if you don't have a car, um, unless you're fit and healthy, getting from one end of the town to the other without using a car is is quite a challenge. Like, let's let's be honest about it. So when you have all of those challenges in the built environment, that the physical environment that surrounds us, it is understandable that we revert to our own routines, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, not only that, it creates the kind of um, social impression that the norm is okay because everyone is still doing um, so we hear about the climate crisis, we hear how significant and serious it is, we hear that um, we should all be reducing emissions from driving, for example, um, and yet we go out in the morning and we see everyone getting in their cars. So it provides a very powerful signal that the social norm is actively being uh, maintained, whereas if you create structures that help people change their behaviour, the social norm that's visible to people changes, and then people start to feel, okay, maybe this is something I should uh, change myself. And that, you know, we know that that happens. Uh, putting solar panels on roofs is just one of many examples of where you you make um, pro-environmental behavioral change visible. You support it financially or structurally in some way. And then people start to move in that direction, making the choices that are consistent with their values and with their own desire to have a safe and sustainable planet for themselves and their, their children. Owen, why is it so hard to to form a new habit or or to give something up like I I won't name the brand but I have a particular fondness for a particular soft drink that has a lot of caffeine in it and it gets me through the day on occasion other people it might be chocolate it might be cigarettes you know why is it why is it so hard to when you know you shouldn't be doing something that it's bad for the environment or it's bad for you why is it so hard to make that change yeah it's a really good question and there's, there's layers to it I suppose um, let's land on the cigarettes one, just because 
uh, I, I know it because I used to be a smoker. And as a society, we've gone from being uh, very, very smoke friendly to very, very anti-smoking in a relatively short period of time. So if you roll back the clock to the 90s, let's say, every bar, restaurant, I'm not even, were, were cinemas still in play at that point? But there was, you know, when I was growing up as a kid in the, in the 80s, cinemas, buses, pretty much everywhere, every house you walked into, um, I was talking to a, a work colleague who said that when they first joined their first job, they said, there's your desk and there's your ashtray. Now, that it's hard to believe that that's actually true. Um, but it, And if you lit up a cigarette on a bus or in a cinema or in a restaurant now, people would understandably be a bit put out by you and ask you to, to not do it. And during that period of time, uh, people would have smoked and known that they were doing damage to their own, own health. So there's a couple of things at play. The first is that social context bit. So when we changed the law, and there was a big campaign, and there was a lot of people pushed back against that. I don't know if you remember, people actually campaigning to say we should keep smoking in bars. Uh, it's hard to believe, looking back now, um, that that was true, but it was it was true. So it was, it was a challenging social journey, in a sense. Um, but it got high-level government support. The vast majority of the public were on board with it, and that got it over the line. And it was a really positive thing for public health. And it's very, it's, I, I don't know anyone in my world, and I you know, don't hear anyone saying, clamoring for a return to smoking, please. Um, so it's a, it was a positive behavioral change. That made it very, very easy for people to not smoke in certain cir circumstances. The other side of that, so that's the, the context, again, being a really powerful lever uh, in, in terms of social change, behavioral change. The other piece of that is our own capacity to know and not know what's occurring. So this is an extraordinary thing that we can do. We, we can do something to ourselves like smoking and know that it's extremely bad for us, that it might actually be killing us and actively ignore that information. Uh, sometimes the phenomenon is referred to as cognitive dissonance, where we know we're doing something and it's inconsistent with our values or other knowledge that we have and it creates a state of angst or anxiety and how do we resolve this i know that getting in my car is bad for the environment uh, and i feel terrible about it because i'm concerned and we know lots of people are now quite anxious about the environment so how do i resolve that internally and one of the things we can do is to disattend from that piece of information so you know in answer to your questions why do we not uh, make better choices is that we have this capacity to disattend from information that causes us cognitive dissonance particularly when there isn't an easy or amenable solution to an alternative in front of us. So it's very hard to stay with that discomfort of knowing that we're throwing poisonous gases into the, into the air that are bad for our kids' health or in the back of the car on the way to school. It's very hard to know that when you've no alternative. Um, so we, we rely on our ability to, to unknow things, to not pay attention to things in order just to get through the day. And it's a perfectly ordinary, normal part of our life. In fact, we couldn't function if we couldn't pay attention and not, not attend to things. So we, we really need to be able to do that. The problem is that when we're all doing it all the time around the same kinds of issues, it then becomes part of a social inertia. Okay. So we really need to be, we need two things. We need that structural social change and leadership to help people make different choices and we also need an acknowledgement that we have been collectively, for very valid reasons, not attending to some of this stuff because we need to get through our day. 
And I think we need to do that humanely and kindly, you know, not to come down heavy on ourselves or be judgmental or critical um, because, you know, we've all been socialized and habituated into ways of living that are bad for the environment. There's, you know, we're all kind of a part of the problem um, and we can all be part of the solution if we can help ourselves along that kind of road. Mm. And it is terribly difficult to break habits of a lifetime, you know, habits that have been habits since before we were able to actively participate in them, whether that's getting from A to B in the car or smoking or, you know, it's 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 so difficult to to make those changes, as you say, with that cognitive dissonance. And it can be very frustrating as well when it comes to environmental issues, because if you're really working hard at making sure you always have a a refillable bottle uh, for water or a reusable coffee cup and you are making those small but tangible efforts and then you're in a society that you don't really see like that's really frustrating isn't it no it's so it so is and you can you can understand how um seductive if you want or appealing moving back to the social norm is because anytime we step out of a social norm we feel a certain sense of discomfort about that, even if the social norm is bad for us. So going into a room full of people with with paper disposable cups and you're the only one with the keep cup, you feel a little bit self-conscious. So when you're the only one or it feels like you're the only one stepping out of the social norm, it's actually a social barrier back to the notion that we really need to help each other along the way with this, give very clear signaling that this is a desired social behavior, and importantly, having key people in society modeling that behavior and then lots of lots of people modeling that behavior. So it, it stops becoming so uncomfortable. Um, but what's really interesting, I think, Ashley, is if you I think we overestimate that, actually, mm. um, overestimate how uh, concerned other people are. We underestimate how concerned other people are. So when you when you, for example, say to uh, a group of parents, who are driving their kids to school, um, would you be happy if your children were able to cycle to school safely? How many people are going to say no to that? Yeah. So if you if you give people the support and, the, and, and help them with choices, they will kind of row along because it's good for them. It's good for their kids. And by and large, that's what people uh, want for their children. But if you um, say to someone, you're not allowed to drive your kid to school today, you know, (laughs) so it depends on how you you kind of frame these things a little bit. It's the language that you use, really, and it's how you communicate the message. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So and and how we go about this is is quite important. We need to be quite thoughtful about um, helping people to make choices for reasons that are consistent with their values. So is it fair? Is it good for me and my family? Is it going to save some money? Is it going to be cost effective? Is it efficient? Um, you know, if you if you align things with those things, then it you know people move quite comfortably towards the the choices. If you keep barriers up in front of all those things, if it's more expensive, if they're not doing it and I have to, um, if it's if it's difficult, if it's socially unclear as to whether it's really needed or not, is it actually healthy for me or not? When those are there, you, you'll get social inertia, which is where we are now. 
I hear a lot through presenting the show, people, people talk to me about, you know, environmental issues and, and, and frequently people will say to me um, and being from the Midlands myself, I don't disagree that, that it is, it's hard. It's, this is all, um, it's harder for us in the Midlands because we don't have the good infrastructure like they do in Dublin. Now it comes, that statement always comes with an assumption that public transport in Dublin is amazing and the roads infrastructure in Dublin is amazing. And actually look at any road in the capital city and you'll see plenty of potholes and they're not at the standard they should be. And and I know from day to day, the public transport system in the city is is collapsing. Let's be honest about it. There's ghost buses and all of those phenomena that, you know, people are getting more and more frustrated about. But there is a feeling that this is being put on us here in the Midlands or it's been put on the rest of us who don't have access to these um, to public transport in the same way. It's nearly an, an us and them divide that has occurred that it seems to me no one is really tackling. That's really interesting. And if that is indeed true, uh, unfairness of opportunity is an is a very active barrier and you will get kind of people's backs up and they will get annoyed and that's perfectly understandable um so i think i think the and you, you would imagine that different solutions are going to be important in different parts of the world and and different parts of the picture are going to be more important and less important to different parts of the world so for example the vast majority of um uh, traffic happens in the major urban centers so if you solve um if you create good active and public transport solutions for the vast majority of our national um, emissions and therefore some parts of the country don't use that i think people should get a pass because if there is no public transport you can't punish people for uh it's or it's very it's very kind of foolhardy to and mm. kind of fair to punish people for not doing something that they can't actually do i mean that's just you know so we have to be a bit pretty creative about this uh, and think where is the where is the biggest need in terms of our because if we look at our overall nationals national emissions reductions and if most of that can come from our urban environments where you can provide um active travel and public transport um well that should be okay and we need to communicate that and people need to um feel that it's okay to do the thing that's bad for the environment because on a national level our emissions are going down because we're making this huge bite out of transport somewhere else so to go back to my original question around New Year, New Me, and and to be honest, that drives me around the twist every year because it tells us all that we need to be, you know, stick thin and all of that. And that has comes with a whole host of other problems. But if we have listened to what you're saying, Dr. Gallivan, and now understand better just how hard it is for us to make these changes and based on the society that we live in you know we haven't even talked about the financial pressures and that's obviously a, another challenge um we still need to make these changes so are there any not necessarily tricks but is there anything that on an individual basis that we can say right okay do you know what I know when I, I live in a country area with no public transport so I have to drive to and from work um but maybe I could do something else. Is there anything that we could be trying to make things psychologically a little bit easier on ourselves to build these new habits instead of, well, feeling really guilty about the routines that we already have? Yeah, it's such a good question. And the answer is yes, there's loads of stuff. But uh, 
I think probably the most important thing uh, we can all do, and it goes back to what I was saying about different solutions for different environments, that one of the most important things we can do is start talking about this in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, and start to opening up to the notion that we all can play a part and have, we, we all have skin in the game. This is important for all of us. So instead of trying to kind of, and I think we're all caught in this a little bit, hoping someone else will do it. You know, it's it's further away. It's another country's problem. It's Dublin versus a rural. Instead of leaning into that space, which keeps part of our social inertia going, we lean into what are we going to do together as a community? And it's incredibly heartening when people do come together and come up with um solutions for their local community like uh, community for example might create a school bus for um, cycling you know a cycle bus uh, a com community might develop a community garden um, to help with the notion of uh, adaption if there's food shortages uh, community community might come together to create an awareness uh, campaign around um, stopping cars idling outside schools to reduce air pollution there's loads and loads of things that groups of people can do together. So if, if you want my top tip for the new year, new you, <laughs> from an environmental point of view, it's simply to start having the chats about climate change, you know, and to like the stuff we've been talking about now yeah. should be being talked about around every kitchen table in the country because it's it's that important to all of us. Well, Dr. Owen Gallivan, thank you as always for joining us on Let's Go Green. And I always enjoy our conversations. You're, you're an absolute uh, font of knowledge. So um, thank you for your time and uh, best wishes for the new year ahead. Thanks, Ashling. Take care. We'll be back after the break. Let's Go Green, sponsored by Airgrid, managing and operating Ireland's electricity grid for a cleaner energy future. Check out airgrid.ie for more. Hello, you are listening to this week's episode of Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103. I hope you're enjoying the show so far this week and um, you're you know, looking ahead to a positive and productive 2024. Well, there is quite a lot happening right around the Midlands when it comes to communities banding together to become more environmentally friendly, more sustainable and quite frankly, doing their bit in an effort to tackle climate change at a local level. And we're uh, popping over to Durrow in County Leash now to a community who has gotten together and is creating its very own sustainable energy community plan. So to figure out what on earth that actually is, I'm joined now by Kevin Delaney from Durrow and Lawrence O'Reilly. And Lawrence is the SEAI um, Sustainable Communities Mentor. Lawrence, um, I'm sure I've gotten your title incorrect there, but um, thank you for joining us once again on the show. And Kevin, you are very welcome to the show. Thanks, Ashley. So, Lawrence, we spoke to you um, in 2023 about the work that you were doing and, you know, going around to individual communities around the Midlands and just be seeing how, you know, you can be of support and how communities can get involved. So you're returning now with this project in Durrow. So first things first, what is a sustainable energy community plan? So a sustainable energy community plan, it's about looking at 
how a community at a local level is consuming energy across the housing, the commercial, business, community sector, as well as transport. Um, trying to quantify that to a certain degree. Um, so helping the local community to understand how much they're spending on energy across these sectors and what that means in terms of the kilowatt hours per year, you know, those units that we see in our energy bills that maybe we don't really understand sometimes, mm-hmm. but also the impact that's having in terms of local carbon emissions. But what it's doing is it's digging a little bit deeper from there as well. So it's it's outlining that baseline. This is our starting point of our local energy use and carbon emissions. But from there, it's developing a plan then to try and progress that to essentially support the community in decarbonizing local energy use um, across the housing sector, across the commercial community business sector, as well as across the transport sector. So that's fundamentally what this plan is aiming to support with every community that's partaking across the country, but particularly Durrow in this example. So like, like, uh, like anybody else, when I see my energy bill um, coming in through my email, it it takes a moment for me to convince myself to actually open the email because I'm kind of nervous as to what you know the total is going to be each month. And we can get as consumers quite, you know, caught up with, you know, the individual cost of energy for our own homes, whether that's the, the price of the fossil fuel that we're using or gas or, or sorry, or our electricity. Um, but we can forget that everybody else around us is under the same pressure and that it's not just a, a homeowner or a, or a home issue, that it, it's one that affects businesses as well. So getting the two groups together to put this plan in place, do you hope, Lawrence, it will, you know, have some tangible benefits at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, that's very much the ambition of the Sustainable Energy Community Programme supported by the SCAI as a whole, really. Um, but that really starts out with like the first point you made there was in relation to information and understanding information in relation to your own energy bills. It's about breaking down those barriers initially and helping people to, first of all, understand exactly where we're at and then to present those as opportunities. And through education, through awareness, through you know, technical support and technical interventions as well, you know, we have the ambition that we'll be able to support you know, homeowners to partake in, maybe it's just shallow retrofits, you know, maybe an individual doesn't have very deep pockets to mm-hmm. invest in a full deep retrofit, or maybe they don't have the appetite to do it. But there's certainly huge opportunities, you know, as as high as 30 to 40% in, in a reduction in energy bills associated with shallow retrofit measures, like simply pumping your cavity walls with a bead, insulating your attic, upgrading your internal lighting, for example. You know, so there's very shallow measures that can really help to reduce at, at an individual level your energy bills and your carbon emissions. But when you quantify that across the entire community, it can have a huge significant impact in really reducing the carbon emissions associated with Thorough as a community. And yeah, I think we have a really strong ambition to to support the community in, in finding out about what the solutions are and then helping them to access those as well. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Kevin Delaney from Doro is um, joining us to, to talk about it from the community's perspective. So, Kevin, like, how did um, you guys get together and come up with this idea initially? 
Um, I, I suppose the way we're structured within Duro, um, we've quite a, a, an active um, Duro development forum. And as part of that, there's the Tidy Towns group that's there. Um, we've been kind of having reasonable success with the, with the Tidy Towns piece. But over the last number of years, there's new, new criteria that have come in, particularly underneath the sustainability category. So it's no mm. longer just your aesthetics of a village. It's also, I suppose, your, your, your surroundings. Uh, and the environment that you that you live in, so I suppose that was that was I suppose the initial um, kind of uh, motivation was through that, you know. Um, but of course, as well, there's there's an interest within our local environment. We have the information, we have you know the knowledge of I suppose the the health benefits of of living in a in a healthy environment. Of course, there's two pieces you've already mentioned the. I suppose the financial aspects uh, of this, if you can save on burning fuel, you're going to be saving on money, but as well, you will also be saving on emissions that are taking place within your local, uh, your, 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 your locality. And I suppose just to link it back to just before Christmas there, we had COP28. There was a lot of discussion over the kind of, the, the, the you know, the fossil fuel piece that was taking place there, very contentious, um, a, a topic that uh, you know there's there, there's a look now to transition away from from fossil fuels because that information is there. So that's kind of at the global level. We're all mm-hmm. in, in one planet, but of course, I mean, all of these things have to take place at a, somewhere at a local level. So I suppose within Duro, this is kind of us looking to do our bit. And I have to say, we're, we're very grateful to the, to the SEAI and Lawrence and Leash County Council um, as well for um, getting us involved in the Sustainable Energy um, Community Initiative and having gotten through the, I suppose, the Energy Master Plan stage at this stage. So we had the launch of that on the 4th of November in, in Murphy's Hotel uh, in Duro, uh, and it was, um, it was well received. So, yeah, we, we move on to the next stage now. And Kevin, for people who are listening to this, who've actually never been in Duro and County Leach, like like it's a lovely spot, you know, like I've been there on numerous occasions myself, lovely place to go for maybe a bite to eat or a stroll around the, the grounds of the castle. Like it really is um, a thriving community. So tell us a little bit about Duro for, for people who are not familiar with the area. Yeah, so we're we're located in the in the south of um, County Leash. Uh, we're we're not far away from the Kilkenny border. There, um, we have the the Nor River that um, runs uh, just on the outskirts of of uh, Durrow, the Arkenet that runs through it, and they they join quite closely. Um, we're surrounded by by woodland area. Um, yeah, it's it's a lovely area. Um, it's a bit biased because obviously I, I I'm living there, you know. Mm, but um, it is. But it's it, it's a lovely spot. Like whether you're going, if you're into your antiques or like I, yeah. you know, it's it's a lovely spot even for events and stuff. And Duro, like Duro's famous for your uh, scarecrow festival in the summertime. You know, there's it's there's something really nice about how the community works together in Duro, or at least you know from this observer's perspective. Um. So getting like it's one thing us all in our individual homes, like we have to find a way to heat them. We have to find a way to get the electricity in and the, and the light bulbs turned on and we have to find a way 
to pay for all of that. And like you mentioned, the Tidy Towns element there. And I know when Abby Leakes won, um, I can't remember which of the speakers it was that said it when they won and they were being interviewed afterwards. But they said you'd almost need a PhD for the Tidy Towns application form these days because of the just the, the depth that you have to go into. It's one thing from a committee level, knowing that these things need to happen. What, like, how did you go about getting the business people and the the residents of of Durrow involved in this particular project? Yeah, well, I suppose as part of the the, the energy master plan piece, um, we we got a, we got Climate Twenty Three, um, who are um, I think energy consultants uh, would be their proper title um, that have worked within this area to come in and do, as Lawrence mentioned, the baseline assessment of our energy needs within the community. So then after that, it was uh, a matter of actually approaching businesses within the town, um, engaging with the with the local community as well, having a, a number of meetings and uh, I suppose spreading the word on this, you know. So there was a number of surveys that took place in both um, a kind of a variety of residential properties um, within the area that would be, I suppose, repre- yeah, representative of the uh, of the kind of the, the, the housing makeup of Durrow. That'd be pretty similar to a lot of other um, towns uh, within Ireland. Uh, and then there was um, audits that took place on a, a number of businesses so that we could get the, the information of kind of how we stand as is, you know, and the next stage then is as part of this, there's a, a register of opportunities that's been developed and uh, we're looking now and we're working with Lawrence on progressing them uh, throughout 2024. So I suppose as part of our role of, of the SEC, it's very much kind of advocating for, you know, a, a switch to um, kind of a, um, a more energy efficient uh, community, so we'll have the, the likes of um, energy clinics and uh, workshops. You know that would present like simple tips to to homeowners on energy saving measures um, that they can that they can take, and then linking in with other funding opportunities. So towards the back end of 2023, Leash County Council announced their Community Climate Action Fund that remains open until March um, March of of this year. So um, we're hoping that there might be opportunities within that as well to progress some of the, the, the what they might call the harder measures within mm-hmm. the, the, the the register of opportunity, particularly around um, kind of the residential transport um, side of the house. You know, because as you've mentioned, like uh, everything within within Durham, we have it's, it's it's quite a commercial town, and there is a lot of traffic that goes through it as well. So um, we would be conscious of our, I suppose, the transport emissions that that, yeah. that within the town too. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we should mention um, Dr. Karen Moore um, of Leach County Council and indeed uh, John McNally of um, Offaly County Council both spoke to us uh, in 2023 about those um, climate action funds. And if anybody listening to this, you know, if you haven't um, heard those particular episodes of the show, please go back to the podcast page on midlands103.com and look for Karen Moore and John McNally. Um, On Karen Moore's episode, we went into very much into detail on how that fund actually works and it's available in every 
um, local authority in the country. So if you're not in Leash or Offaly, get it, like just phone up your local authority office and ask to speak to their community climate action officer. Well, we're going to keep Kevin Delaney and Lawrence O'Reilly um, with us. So we're going to keep talking about this project in Durham because it is really interesting to see a community getting together to do their bit on a really tangible bit. And I think particularly when it comes to energy, because anybody that I speak speak to, we all know we should be doing something better with our, how we are getting our energy. But it's one where people feel a massive amount of overwhelm and therefore procrastination around. So we're going to keep the, the two gentlemen um, on the line and we will be back after these ads. Stay tuned. Let's Go Green, sponsored by Airgrid, managing and operating Ireland's electricity grid for a cleaner energy future. Check out airgrid.ie for more. You're listening to Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103. And Kevin Delaney from Doro's Sustainable Energy Community in County Leash is um, with us, as is Lawrence O'Reilly. And Lawrence, earlier on, I butchered your title, so I'm going to get it right this time around. So Lawrence O'Reilly is the SEAI, Sustainable Energy Communities Mentor for Counties Leash and Offaly. Kevin and Lawrence have been talking to us about Doro in County Leash and a new project there around energy. Now, before the break there, Kevin mentioned energy clinics. So, Lawrence, what exactly is an energy clinic? Uh, How does it even work? When is it going to take place? Yeah, so this is actually quite a new support that we try to deliver locally within Leash and Offaly through the Sustainable Energy Communities Programme. And we've actually found it very, very successful. What it means is um, we're trying to provide a very safe, comfortable platform for people at an individual level to speak to technical people within the energy 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 industry to understand more about, say, if it's your own home or if it's your own business or your own community, um, community organization, like a GAF or whatever. And what we're looking to do with Enduro in particular is provide a number of days throughout 2023 where we have myself as an energy consultant, but also as the mentor there to take one-to-one appointments with local homeowners, people from the community sector, people from the business sector, and spend 30 minutes to an hour just having a conversation about their own situation. So whether it's coming in with your energy bills and we talk about you know the tariff that you're on, um, when's the last time you changed your utility provider? You know, how much energy are you actually using? What's the type of fuels that you're using within your home? But then also maybe looking at the home as well and kind of having a high level conversation around you know, what kind of opportunities will be there for you as a homeowner. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll just have a conversation. That's all this is really. Um, but what we're trying to do is from our perspective, we're, we're trying to get, we're trying to create a platform where we can meet people and have that conversation. But what all, what it also, can do is it can break down a lot of barriers in terms of misinformation or concerns that, that may be there, all with the aim of promoting local action or collectively. Um, so that's something that we're going to be running throughout 2023 and not just in Doral. It's something that we will aim to uh, roll out across any of the communities that, you know, like Kevin and the guys, give us their time and commit to the program. And um, we ran a very successful trial of this in partnership with Leash County Council and the Cube in Port Leash. And uh, we're over three days. We had up to 30 homeowners and business owners call into us and have these conversations. And it was an extremely positive event. And we'll be having a follow-up event hopefully in mid-2024 to try and understand exactly 
you know, what people got from those conversations and if they did proceed with some of the recommendations that we made. That sounds like a, a priceless source of information, to be quite honest, Lawrence, because like like anybody that anybody that I speak to over the last couple of years doing this show, their energy bills are one, if not their top source of stress, are absolutely way up there. And even like and I do every every summer when July, my my contracts for different things tend to be up for renewal. I do make the effort to pick up the phone and shop around. Mm. But then when people start throwing figures at me, it's very difficult to comprehend. Like I would see myself as being a a relatively intelligent person and, you know, well-informed, but it's just, it's so much information coming at me. And by the end of the phone call, I'm going, do you know what? Yeah, whatever you say. And I'm not necessarily on the right plan for myself or on the right plan for the type of home that I live in. Um, so actually having somebody with expertise sitting down and taking a look and an unbiased look um, and breaking it down into plain English, that's hugely valuable for people. Yeah, we're really looking forward to this initiative and rolling out throughout 2024 will be very, very exciting. And, and also to note that this is a community-led initiative. When we go to advertise these clinics, there's there's no charge on these. So as the community county mentor through the SEAI's community program, we're there as a resource free of charge to the community. So we want to highlight that as well. So sometimes when people see these clinics, and you mentioned a really good um, a really good point. It's impartial. We're not representing any yeah. type of uh, any type of an organization. We're not selling anything here. We're just trying to uh, raise awareness, break down barriers, and hopefully encourage people to, I suppose, take a more active approach to reducing the energy use within their homes, businesses, community centers, community assets, and ultimately reduce the impact on carbon emissions locally. That's that's essentially what we're trying to achieve here. And I think as well, like, it's one thing us all acknowledging that we all have to reduce our carbon emissions, but until we actually bring it down to our own houses, our own businesses, and see how we can actually make practical changes, that's when this is going to work, isn't it? Yeah, you you know, you you really touched on it there. It's it's about essentially in very, very clear language and, and very, very simply presenting what the solutions are for people. Um, because I think everybody out there is very much aware of, of climate change and and the implications of climate change and and but what they what sometimes people don't understand is what's the solution for me? What can I do um within my own budget, for example? What can I actually do that's going to have a meaningful impact? And there are a lot of solutions there. And what we want to try to do is, is, is bring that information in a very, very simple, soft way to the community. Well, Lawrence, if there are people from various community groups listening to this episode of Let's Go Green on Midlands 103, and they're thinking, do you know what? If Doral can do something like this, we need to get our village, our town involved and we need to start looking at it for ourselves. Where's the starting point? How do they um, how do they begin this effort? The first place would be SEAI's Sustainable Energy Communities webpage, which has a resource that allows an interested community group to register on the network. Uh, and by the network, I mean the Sustainable Energy Communities Network, which is a national network in which we have over 800 communities across the country participating within Doral, one of those communities. And once they register as a community um, under the SEAI's website, um, it takes about five, ten minutes, very, very straightforward. I'll receive a notification from SEAI as the county mentor within Leash Offley. If it's an individual from a community outside Leash Offley, don't worry, there's a county mentor for that 
specific area as well. And likewise, they will receive a notification from SEAI telling them that this particular community organization has registered and they'd now like to reach out to yourself as a mentor. And we'll 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 commence that engagement. And it, it will kind of kick off with ourselves coming out to the community and you know taking a walk around, meeting the community, um, understanding you know what they're trying to achieve through a program. And for there we'll progress along to completing an energy master plan, which by the way is 100 percent funded by the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. And at least off you were quite fortunate. It's a retrospective fund, but both Leash County Council and Offley County Council provide the bridge funding for these studies which essentially means that the pain of the consultants of these studies is all done by the local authority. The community doesn't have to essentially get involved in the payment process. That was a huge stumbling block for communities getting involved yeah. in energy master plan studies initially. And we found that this has been a huge success nationally, but we can now see it locally. Within Leash, we have Port Arlington, Port Leash, we have Durrell, we've had Abbey Leaks completing their energy master plan, and there's more getting involved in the process, submitting their applications. Um, and it's very, very active. Very, very active. Well, Kevin Delaney from the Sustainable Energy Community in Duro County Leash and Lawrence O'Reilly, who is the SEAI's Sustainable Energy Community's mentor for Leash and Offley. Thank you both for joining us on this, the first episode of Let's Go Green on Midlands 103 for 2024. Um it's uh, very interesting and we'll uh, we'll have you back to see how this plan and this overall project is progressing. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, Ashley. We will be back after these. And if you are involved in any green efforts in schools, stay tuned. Let's Go Green, sponsored by Airgrid, managing and operating Ireland's electricity grid for a cleaner energy future. Check out airgrid.ie for more. You're listening to Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103 and I hope you have enjoyed our show this evening. Just a reminder, I mentioned the climate, the Community Climate Action Fund a little bit earlier on on this week's episode and the Community Climate Action Fund, it's a government initiative that is delivered through each local authority. So it's a project whereby you can, as a community, basically get um, a project off the ground, get it covered, get 100% funding for it. But you need to apply um, to participate in the scheme. And there are different levels of funding. Now, it might be, depending on how organised you are or how advanced you are in knowing what you want to do for your community, it might be difficult to know whether or not you're eligible, whether or not your project is indeed big enough or small enough to avail of this particular fund. So I thought it was worth reminding you that a couple of weeks ago on Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103, um, just before the Christmas really, on the 20th of November, I spoke with Dr. Karen Moore and Dr. Karen Moore is the Leash Community Climate Action Officer. And we spoke in detail about the Community Climate Action Fund. So if you if you missed that episode, it's episode number 71 and you can access that on midlands103.com. If you click on the podcast section, look for episode number 71. You can also search for it on Apple and indeed Spotify podcast. But I just thought 
I'd mention it because it is worth uh, maybe listening back to because it might be of help if you are considering applying for the fund as a community group. And um, it's worth just picking up the phone and asking if your project might be eligible. Finally, I wanted to put a call out on this week's episode of the show. And over the course of 2023, we had a number of young people involved in Let's Go Green, uh, teenagers who got in contact with me about the work that they were doing in school around climate change and um, sustainable projects, whether it was setting up a mini company or getting involved in local protests. So if you work in a primary or a secondary school or you are a member of a primary or secondary school community and you're involved in any of these initiatives, whether it's, you know, campaigning to get your green flag or maybe starting up a mini company that's environmentally friendly, I want to hear from you. And I want to put a call out to you on this week's episode of the show. So please do get in contact with me through midlands103.com. Click on the on-air team. You will see my photo. That's Ashling O'Rourke. Send me an email directly from that page and I will get back to you because I really do want to make this programme one that is driven by you, the listener. And I really would love to have more young people involved. I'm afraid, though, that is it for our very first episode of 2024. I hope you uh, enjoyed the episode. I hope you have a great week and stay tuned. We'll be back with another edition of Let's Go Green on Midlands 103, same time next week. Let's Go Green, sponsored by Airgrid, managing and operating Ireland's electricity grid for a cleaner energy future. Check out airgrid.ie for more.